Come on, man. It is absolutely great to see you. Welcome to everyone. We're just thrilled that you're here with us this weekend. And we're in a series called 28 Days of Life. Man, it is, it is one of my favorite series or has become that we do every year. Because we, everything we do flows straight from the Bible. We believe it flows straight from the heart of God. But there are some of the things that we do that there can be no doubt where it comes from. And, and when it comes to us as Christ followers, having the heart of Jesus, reaching out and caring, there's no doubt about that, right? Is that right? And so, well, let me ask you, is that how most believers live their life? Is that how most faith promise lives their lives? No. And so, man, we've got to up our game as we honor our Lord. And so my small group's going to look at, as you saw that, we're going to look at adopting a room. And we're always looking for other ways. You saw Brad Irvin. Brad's our missions pastor. And the reason that we felt led to, to bring Brad on full time is one to help us with our strategy around the world. But actually, even a larger portion of what Brad does is organized so that everyone at Faith Promise who wants to serve in the community, we've got a place for you. That we connect groups, we connect individuals. And so if your group wants to do something, Brad can help. Uh, but listen, at the end of the day, though, compassion and caring for people, it's not, a, it's not a program, it's a person. Amen? It's not something we do for 28 days. It really needs to be a way of life, just a way of life. Now, the problem is us. Are you ready? If you're listening, say I am. Life gets in our way. Because we're so concerned with our problems and our issues, and we're late to work, and my kid got an F on the report card, and, and I'm not sure what's going to happen with this or my, my job. Or We get so consumed with ourselves that we miss the ministry that's all around us. Does that make sense? And so in this series, what we try to do is say, hey, wake up. Come on. Let's zero back in. And realize this is the lifestyle that a believer is to live. So I'm thrilled. By the way, it's great to be back. We missed you. I was going to say we missed you. I, Michelle really missed y'all. Uh, it was great to be, it was great to go. As it was, we, we went on our 30th anniversary, and it was absolutely amazing. I found out the only, amen, thank you guys. Listen, I found out the only thing better than a seven-day cruise is a 14-day cruise. <laughs> Jesus is in that. Matter of fact, I think I can write better sermons if every quarter y'all will send me. I mean, it'd be better. And so it's great to be back. Welcome all of our campuses, Blunt, North, and Anderson, and Campbell, and Internet, and Pellissippi. It's going to be a great weekend. God is doing some, some awesome things. Let me, before we dive in, let me tell you one more thing. I believe that God loves to bless marriages. And I've been married 30 years to Michelle, and it is better today than it has absolutely ever been. So, man, I believe that. If, if your marriage is struggling, can I tell you God wants to resurrect it? And can I tell you singles, God's got something, somebody, for most of y'all. There are a few of you I'm concerned about. But most of our singles, man, God's got, God's got somebody. You say, you know, Pastor, I've been married, didn't work out. Let me tell you, I know people on their second marriage that it is pure heaven. Because we serve the God of the second chance, don't we? And so I just want to challenge you. This is just as I was thinking about it, I went to one of my favorite Proverbs, which is Proverbs 30. Just thinking about that and, and, and what it says about, about those of us that are married and, and all that. I mean, Proverbs 31, 
And it says in verse 10, an excellent wife, who can find? For her worth is far above jewels, and the heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. Verse 28, her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also, he praises her, saying, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. That's what God gave me. And man, God wants to bless marriages. So if you're struggling, can we believe God he's going to bless your home? Can we believe that together? Somebody shout amen. Come on, help me out. Now, all right, into the, into the message. Uh, you know, it is just one of the things that I enjoy most in the world is getting to be the senior pastor of Faith Promise Church. And, and I don't know that I've ever been more proud of, of the tons of things that are happening in our congregation now. But let me tell you one of the things that just that, that blesses me because I believe it blesses God, and that is that our heart is growing. Not our hearts individually. See, the Bible says we are many members, and yet we are one body. We have many gifts, but we're one body. We're one church. We're one gathering. And, and I believe our gathering, the heart for God, the heart for others, we've got more people serving. We've got more people caring. We've got more people giving. We have more people going. We have more people serving and loving others than we've had in the history of our church. And that honors God. Amen? Man, that's just this is what it's all about. So, man, awesome. Last year, we gave away over 200,000 hours in serving our community in some way or another. I'm not talking about serving within the walls of Faith Promise Church, but outside our walls. And every year, the hours we serve, the money that we give, the places we connect with, man, every year it increases. Why? Because our heart is increasing. And our heart increases as your heart increases. It grows, and, and, and that's just what God wants to do. Now imagine, we've got about seven or 8,000 people that come every month. Imagine if every one of us decided that we would live the heart of Jesus. And Jesus said this, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve and give my life a ransom of many. What if every one of us said, hey, I know this is 28 days, but I'm going to do it till Jesus comes back. What if every one of us decided we were going to do what you watched last weekend in the video? That we're not going to pass problems. We're not going to pass pain, but we're going to stop. We're going to help and we're going to care. We're going to take our eyes off ourselves some and we're going to put our eyes on others. What would it be like? Would it make a difference in our church? Would it make a difference in Knoxville? Would it make a difference in East Tennessee? Absolutely. By the way, next weekend, our, our Costa Rica campus opens up. Man, we're loving and caring for people in Costa Rica all around the world. Amen? So, but let, me, let me ask you a question because I want to make sure I'm still in the right place. Are we Christ followers? We're sure. Blunt, North, come on. Are we Christ followers? Anderson, Campbell, this is the deal, that if we follow him, Jesus modeled no one would debate it. Even non-believers wouldn't debate this. Jesus modeled selfless, sincere, sacrificial service for others. Is that what he did? Is that what he did? Are we Christ followers? Then are we not to give out selfless, sacrificial, sincere service for other people? Those who come in, is that, is that what we're supposed to do? Yeah, but you don't know, man. That's their problem. They got into it because I made a stupid decision, haven't you? We, and so it doesn't matter how they got where they got. It doesn't matter what they're going to do with what we give them. It matters that we love other people in Jesus' name. As a matter of fact, I believe Jesus had a terminal case of other itis. 
It killed him. It killed him. Other itis killed him. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 said this. Actually, let me go back to verse 2. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, talking to the church, maintaining the same love, united in one spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or from empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. yourselves. Is that easy? But is that what we're supposed to do? Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. You know what I've started doing? Does it make you mad when somebody breaks in line in front of you? Does it? Have you wanted to lay hands on them? When somebody pulls out in front of you, make you mad? When somebody cuts you off or they, you know what I've started saying to myself now? They're more important than me. That's what I say. It keeps me from waving the one finger salute at them. That's what I do. I'd say, you know, somebody cuts me off. I'd say, they're more, they're more important than me, and wherever they need to be is obviously more important than what I'm doing. They cut in line. I said, well, they're more important than I am, so they should be at the front of the line. You think I'm kidding? Well, you talk about an internal battle. The flesh says, well, they are not. Smack them and get back, you know, run them over. Get them in a parking lot. No, I just said, hey, because what does Philippians say? Consider others as more important than yourself. But let's be real. Who's the most important person in the universe? They're in your chair. Aren't they? Come on, let's be real. They're in your chair. Man, you love you and you're most important. What's going on in your feelings and your needs and your desires and what you have and how people treat you. And Jesus said, forget about you, think about others. At least some of the time, right? And so this is Bible. Be mad at God. I mean, it's just it's right here. This is, this is the deal. See, Jesus' heart, without a question, undebatable, Jesus revealed will of God for his church is generosity and compassion. It's the will of God for you to be generous and for you to be compassionate to those people around you. If I could write the reputation in East Tennessee for our congregation, if I could just write it and put it in Knoxville News and that's what everybody would believe about us, it would be compassionate and generous. The people that go to this church care about other people. That the neighbors around all of our campuses say, you know, I may not love their Jesus, but they love me. I may not care about going to their church, but they care about me. They care about East Tennessee. They want more for, for me than they want from me. They really do care about me because when I, when I was in need, they were there. You know, when I, when, they were in, in, when I was in prison, they visited me. When I was sick, they visited me. When I was naked, they clothed me. When I was hungry, they fed me. When I was thirsty, they gave me something to drink. That's what Jesus said. He said that's how he could tell the difference between lost people and saved people. Look at Matthew 25. And this is business right here. That's how you could tell because, see, we're different. When people get saved, do you know the reason they ought to be able to tell you're saved? It's not because you go to church. A lot of lost people go to church, don't they? Tons of people that are not born again, not redeemed, go to church. But it's not because you got baptized. The reason that they know that you're saved is you're different. You used to cuss them, now you love them. You used to smack them, now you pray for them. You used to treat people ugly, now you treat people good. Does that make sense? But I don't do that. I know. And, and so people say, what, what happened to them? Man, what, how did, you know, the Bible says if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. Old things, meanness, all that stuff is gone. And new things have come. And people should walk up saying, dude, I heard you cuss. I heard you scream at people. Man, you're nice to folks. Well, what's up with you? Well, I'm so glad you asked. See, I got saved and Jesus gave me a new heart. And you know what they're going to say? Uh-huh, right. 
Well, we'll just watch you. See, that's why you need to declare at work you're a believer. Because then they watch you. You talk about accountability. Man, when I got saved, I, put G, I, put, I, got, I, I was in construction. I put Jesus saved on my hard hat. And people walk up and cuss me to see what I do. They would. They just walk up, man. Just, and, and I'd say, what? Well, I just want to see if you get mad. I'm serious. They're watching us. And then if you keep walking, then they're going to come back and say, hey, you know, I thought that was a fad, but you're still different. Could God do that for me? See, it says in Peter that people are going to ask you to tell them about the hope that is in you, and you're going to give, be ready with an answer and give it with jealous and respect. That's what the Bible said. Now, I want you to get this because this was a revelation for me, and this is probably the thing that rocked me more than anything else I've ever done, seen, read, experienced about why we ought to be compassionate. Are you ready? If you're listening, say, I am. So I really want you to get this. You need to hear this because this is just biblical church history, historical where we were and where we got, how we are. For the first 300 years of the church, after Jesus put it in beef for a boogie and left and sent the Holy Ghost and said, win the world, and, uh, and I'm going to empower you, and, and, and we're going to follow the way he lived. After that, for the next 300 years, we didn't have a building one. There was not a church building in existence. There wasn't a building. There wasn't a budget. They didn't have any money. They didn't have any media blitzes. They didn't print any invitation cards or door hangers or they didn't do radio commercials. Nothing wrong with that, but they didn't do any of that. Man, they didn't, they didn't preach on television and radio. They didn't hand out tracts. Not only that, but everybody wanted to kill them. Now, our culture's gone a little bit more antagonistic about believers in the last 20 years. Would y'all agree with that? Sure it has. And we know why. We got that, all that. We understand that. But the deal is, we have it so much easier than the first 300 years of the church. They were cooking them in oil. They were feeding them to the lions. Nero put them on tops of poles, dipped them in oil, and used them to light the streets in Rome. I mean, uh, they, were, they were thrown. They were out there in the gladiator games. They were in prison. They were, they were, it was horrible. So they didn't have any money. No, they didn't have anything. They had one platform for 300 solid years. These 12, the, the 120 that were in the upper room that were filled with the Holy Spirit, that day, the birth of the church. Listen, for 300 years, they didn't have anything. They had one platform. Are you ready? You know what that was? It was kindness and compassion, period. They didn't have anything else. But they were such stark opposition to the culture. They were in the Roman culture, following the Greek, the Greco-Roman culture. And the Roman culture is a narcissistic, self-centered, all-about-me pleasure. They entertained themselves to death. It was get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. Man, it was all about me. And their gods, the you know, Hermes and Zeus and, you know, all those gods that they worship, it was, the gods were all about themselves and people were all about themselves and everybody was all about, it's all about me. And in that milieu, Jesus erupted on this Judean hillside and began his public ministry after he was baptized. And this carpenter from Nazareth with no power, no position, no anything, began to remind people that we were created in the image of God. In the image of God did he make them male and female. And because we are created in the image of God, we are supposed to act like God. And God cares, and so should we. And so, we, we, and so the first century, the first three centuries, they just believed it. They believed it. It wasn't until way in the, near the end of the second century that they had a whole Bible. But, man, they had the words of Jesus. 
In Luke chapter 6, I want to read you a passage beginning in verse 27, all red letters. It's in the, it's in the Beatitudes, and Jesus didn't preach this once. This was, what, this was Jesus' candy stick sermon. You know what a candy stick is? That's where you preach when you go to conferences and other churches because you preach it 100 times and you're really good at it. You know every joke and how funny it is. You got the whole deal. And so, man, Jesus preached this everywhere. And this is what he says, starting in verse 27 of Luke chapter 6. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Bless those who curse you. That's why when people break your line or people flip me off, and they do, I just wave at them and smile. I do. And if I'm close enough, if somebody flips me off, I say, hey, man, be blessed. Just be blessed. Because, see, the Bible says to bless those that curse you. Now, the next time your husband or wife jumps up just a tirade pitching a fit, when they get done, say, hallelujah, bless you. You are beautiful. Because <laughs> that's how y'all respond at home, right? Yeah, smoke, crack pipes are rolling. Whoever, let's see, bless those that curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. You mean I got to pray for somebody that, 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 that ripped me off, that did me wrong, that divorced me, that fired me, that I, this guy that sued me and I was right? Yeah, you're supposed to pray for them. You're, no way. People don't do that. Christians are supposed to. Is this red letters or am I, am I colorblind? Whoever hits you on the cheek, smack him back. Is that what it says? Hit them harder. Spit in their eye hole. No. That's what you want to do. That's what the flesh does. But see, we're supposed to have crucified the flesh, aren't we? And we're supposed to be walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other. <clears throat> Whoever takes away your coat, give me a shirt. But they ripped me off. Give me a shirt and your shoes. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Take it up with Jesus. Are we, see, are we Christ followers? Yeah. Listen, you could spend your whole life on this paragraph and not get it right, couldn't we? The problem is we don't spend much time on this paragraph. So and don't withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and whoever takes away what's yours, don't demand it back. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love others, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Jesus said, lost people love their family and people love them back. You, that's not you guys. You guys have got a new heart. He said, if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that? Even sinners do the same thing. If you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies. Love them. Is that what the Bible says? Is that what we do? I can't, I couldn't hear, hear that grunt. It, love your enemies. Isn't that what Jesus did? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Isn't that what Stephen did when they were crushing his skull with a rock? Forgive them for they don't know what they do. Isn't that what Jesus did after they peeled his skin off and were crucifying him? Father, forgive them. He loved his enemies. Do good to, and, and lend, expecting what in return? You have got to, listen, if you are going to, if you are going to, begin to move in love and compassion, then you've got to do it expecting not to get anything back. Because if you expect to get anything back, you will quit. Because people will spit in your eye hole. 
when you try to do good to them, they're not always going to respond right. Well, that's why I knew people were. No, no, no. Jesus said, listen, expecting nothing in return. But look what he says. I love this. Your reward will be what? Great. Your reward be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself, God, is kind to ungrateful and evil men. When he said he's kind to ungrateful and evil men, who's he talking about? Who? Us. You ever been ungrateful? I'm shocked at the ingratitude of people. I, I really am. I'm shocked at, at you can do stuff for people, and they don't even say thank you. He said, ungrateful and evil men. You ever, you ever know that you ought not do it? You ever walked in a situation and say, this is wrong and do it anyway? Excuse me? Absolutely. Aren't you glad that Jesus is kind to ungrateful and evil people? Aren't you glad that he loved his enemies? Because the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, and that while we were yet, God demonstrated his love toward us, and while we were yet in opposition, enemies, hating God, Jesus, God showed us his love, and then he gave his son for us. That's what Romans 5, 8 says. See, we love people who love us back. We're supposed to love everybody, red, black, and yellow, white. They are precious in his sight. I don't care where they come from, rich or poor. It doesn't matter what background they are. I don't, listen, it doesn't matter what they look like to you. It doesn't matter what they smell like to you. They're created in the image of God. And when you're loving them, you're loving Jesus because he said, when you've done it to the least of these, you have done it unto me. Come on, church. Let's wake up, man. Come on. Come on. 28 days. And listen, listen, let's don't do it for 28 days. Let's, let's make holiness a habit. Let's decide this is not a sermon series, but this is going to be a way of life. See, you know, you know why this is so hard for me? It just dawned on me one day while I was praying on the cruise with Michelle. Well, she was in the room. She was laying out my son, and I was with my Bible in my room where I love to be. I'm a homebody. I really don't even like to travel, but. And, and I'm reading these verses, and, and you, know, you know what the Lord spoke to me? Chris, you practice anger. You practice anger. You get mad just like that. I'll be working on something, and, and I'll, I'll fly, in, and Zach or Mike say, Dad, how can you go from zero to 104 seconds? I mean, you, you know, you were mad a few seconds ago, and you're furious. How do you go? I practiced it. I learned it growing up. Some of y'all learned that. Guys, come on, men. Any men in the houses? Any men with us? Come on, let me hear something. Come, men, you out there? Man, come on, we're angry. We're angry. And the older we get, the matter we get. Listen, we don't chill out. Man, our spine, we, we, we get worse. And then we get older, and this is what we say. Well, I'm old. I can tell people what I think now. Listen, being a senior adult doesn't mean you can be ugly. I have people tell me all the time, well, I'm 65, I'll say what I want to say. Not if you're born again, you won't. Anybody out there? This is good preaching. I don't know if y'all know good preaching, but, man, this is good preaching. And so this, this is what we got to do. This is what we got to do. Listen, and this, listen, Luke 6 was the platform for the church for the first 300 years. That's what they did. That's what they did. That's, that's how they operated. It's time for us to lean into love and care and compassion. It's time for us to lean in expecting nothing in return. Because even lost people will do good for others if they have an ROI, a return on investment. They'll give. They're going to get back. They'll love. Hey, I'll give you a present if you'll buy me one. I'll give your kid a graduation present if you're going to buy my kid one. 
I'll give your kid, a, you know, a, 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 I'll go to your bridal shower for your girl if you're going to come to mine. Isn't that, come on, isn't that right? Ladies, see, we got this thing going on. I had a party for you, man. You're, you got to have a party for me. Are you all with me? So you got to love people expecting nothing. If you love and give and share expecting it, get it in return, you will quit. I was with our new Stephen ministers before the service started. Jesus and Peter are on the last breakfast on the beach. It's not the Lord's Supper. It's the Lord's last breakfast with Peter. And they're eating fish. And, and he says, hey, Pete, let me ask you a question. Do you, love, do you love me? Well, you know I do. Then I want you to take care of my people. Okay. A few minutes later, he said, hey, Pete, do you love me? Well, yes, Lord. I want you to tend my lambs. And he said, hey, a third time, hey, Peter, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he asked him the third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. He said, then I want you to take care of my sheep. He never said, Peter, do you like sheep? I know some mean sheep, and I know lots of goats. Are you with me? And you know why we love them? Because we love Jesus. That's why we, and when they don't love us back, we didn't do it so they love us back. We did it for Jesus. And when they love us back, it's just, that's just, that's okay. If they don't, that's okay too. You know, that's the deal. We give, we don't expect anything in return. And that's what we're about. Hey, remember they killed Jesus? The same people he healed, the same people he taught, the same people had the fish and chips miracle. Those are the same people who said crucify him. They were, remember Moses went and got him out of Egypt, slavery, 400 years, begging God, and they were going to kill him. David, they were going to kill him. And so that's, just, that's, that's the deal. So now these, for, for 300 years, especially early, the first century, Christians weren't even a subculture. There was too few of them. So in this Roman culture of selfishness and narcissism and get your own and do your own and it's all about you, this is what Christians did. They took the orphans into their homes. They didn't build orphanages. They took the orphans into their homes. Like many of you are doing. We have orphanages in Costa Rica and Haiti and, and, and we have people in many of our campuses that are adopting kids, orphans from around the world right now. They're in the process. They're, they're, they're adopting them. They took orphans in their home. They cared for lepers because everybody thought it was such a, you know, a disease they could catch. Nobody wanted to help them. They cared for the poor, and they changed the world. They didn't change it with their preaching. They didn't change it with their buildings. They didn't change it with their advertising. They didn't change it with their promo. They didn't change it with their logo. They didn't change it with being slick and good at having lights and music and all this creativity and all that stuff. They simply loved people in Jesus' name. And that's what we got to do. Come on, somebody. Until almost 300 years later, when the Emperor Constantine legalized Christianity and stopped the killing of Christians that had been going on for three centuries. Two centuries, two, by the way, this is what really blew my mind. Two emperors later, after Constantine was Julius. And Julius had this bright idea to revive paganism. Now, how do you get up one day and say, hey, I want to lead a pagan movement? But he, he was going to revive paganism, and he failed. And he wrote a letter to one of his priests, and he was complaining about us. And this is what he said. And we can't get paganism off the ground because of Christians. He said their kindness and generosity to strangers. He said they support not only their poor, but they take care of our poor. It's the reason that we made it for 300 years 
with nothing but the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm glad we have all the creative stuff. I'm glad we have lots. I'm glad we have multi-site. I'm glad that, that, that right now there are six, five camp, six campuses that are hooked up right now that we're worshiping together in the Word of God. Man, we're having a great time. But, folks, we don't ever get too slick for compassion and generosity. So let me ask you a question. What would it be like if every one of us just said, hey, man, we're going to do, listen, it's not going to be 28 days. It's not a program. It's going to be a way of life. Do you, do you think that it would help if all of us acted that way? Excuse me? Absolutely. See, the only inroad that for 300 years they had was compassion. Now, now we have a choice. We have a choice. We can, we can decide we're going to care for the marginalized. We're going to care for the victimized. We're going to care for the outcasts. We're going to care for the poor. We're going to care for people that nobody cares for. Man, we're going to love. And, and you know what? There are tons of people doing it. We've got folks that go to the inner city and mentor kids. We've got people work at CARM. And we've got people that serve all over the place. Man, we've got groups that serve in, in dozens and dozens and dozens of groups and missions and outreaches and organizations. See, we decided we weren't going to start all those ministries. We are just going to spend money and people to them. We don't need to reinvent the wheel, do we? We're just going to send money and people to the stuff in Knoxville that we can help support that's touching people in Jesus' name. Those people that society cut off, we're going to love. Are we called to be good Samaritans? See, power is given to us to help the powerless. Is it, did y'all catch that? Power is given to the church to help the powerless. In the upper room, let me wrap this up. In the upper room. Jesus began to watch the feet of the disciples. They're aghast. They're shocked. Peter said, not happening. Everybody was embarrassed. Nobody, man, no, no, nobody wanted it. It's just this real sort of, you know, this awkward kind of deal. And Jesus said, what I have done to you, I do it as an example for you to do to others because I want you to care for them and wash their feet. But I want to, what I want you to point out is the most powerful person in the room, in the universe, had no problem washing people's feet. Because, see, that's what believers do. Does that make sense? The passage, one of the passages Pastor uh, Josh did. Didn't Josh and Zach, by the way, the last two weekends, didn't they do a great job? Man. Awesome. Awesome. And great communicators. God's just raising up so many st- stellar spiritual giants as young adults. It's awesome. But in 1 Timothy 6, 16 through 19, we used that a few weeks ago. But we are to be rich in generosity and good works. It's all over. Well, let me tell you two things it takes to, be, to have compassion. Are you ready? If you're listening, Sam. One, it takes a new heart. Got to be born again to help people that won't help you back. And two, it takes walking a new way of life. It takes taking your focus off you. Because would y'all agree that if all of our spiritual antenna were up, there are people all around us every day that could, we could give a hug, a word of encouragement. That, are there people all around us that if we were open, we could share and care and love? Isn't that right? So it's deciding that we're going to Philippians 2 people, that we're going to consider others as more important than ourselves, and we're going to love on people. That's the deal. And so at all of our campuses with thousands of people this weekend, you know, there are people here that have never been born again. You might be religious, but you've never had a transformation of the heart. See, I grew up in the project. I wasn't about to help anybody. Now, I, you know, I didn't care about anybody. But after I was saved, God began to plant care and compassion in my heart. And now he's saying, okay, get rid of anger, man. Get rid of all this stuff. Get rid of everything and be filled with me. Amen. 
He said, that's what we do. So if you're here and you've never been born again or you're not sure if you've got a relationship with Jesus with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to lead you in just a simple confessional prayer that you open your heart up to the Lord. Just pray this prayer with me. Faith promises, pray it out loud. Let's just pray it with them. Say, dear Jesus, I know I've sinned and I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Come into my heart. Give me a new heart. I confess you as Lord. I will follow you by faith, and I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, somebody give him some praise. Come on. Now, now this is, this, this is the deal. I want to show you a video in just a second. But if you prayed that prayer with me, we're going to, it'll be about two minutes before we dismiss. But there'll be some campus pastors. There'll be some of our prayer team love to pray with you. Or take the communication card that's in front of you. Internet campus, you guys can do the same thing. Go right there and click call R, uh, the communication card. Or if you go to the chat room, somebody's waiting to minister to you right now. There'll be people here up front when the service is over. Or take your communication card and say, hey, I pray with a prayer uh, with the pastor. I need baptism or I need to be in a group or serve or whatever. And, and then put those in the, in the offering boxes. And when you leave, and, and one of our team will call you, and we'll, we'll get, start getting on that, man, Monday, and, and we're, we're here to help you. But before we do, we're asking God for something supernatural. So let's watch this.